1: Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty, and you can think of me as your friendly guide to the English language. We talk about writing, history, rules, and cool stuff. Today, we'll talk about graduated versus graduated from, and about six bona fide Latin phrases you might find interesting and useful. Because it's graduation season, my social media feeds are filling up again with complaints about people who say things such as, We are so proud of Jimmy. He graduated high school this year. For example, Bill T. wrote, Do you graduate high school, or do you graduate from high school? I don't think one can actually graduate a high school. Some trick to do that. This has really bugged me. Please advise. Well, I covered the topic a few years ago, but I've had a bit of a change of heart since then. If you want me to just tell you what to do to be safe, I still have to say stick with graduated from, but I don't feel as strongly about it anymore, and it's an interesting topic to explore. If you look back 80 years or so, you'll find that the verb graduated used to be used differently, and current trends tell us that now it's being used differently again. Language changes over time, and graduated seems to be a twitchy verb that's always on the move. First, let's travel back in time. In the late 1800s, conventional wisdom said that a school did the act of graduating students So the proper way to use graduated was to say that Johnny was graduated from high school. That passive wording, was graduated from, was considered standard English. But even then, people were already saying simply, Johnny graduated from high school. The usage guides admonished against it because people were doing it. And then by 1963, the fourth edition of H. L. Mencken's book The American Language said that the active form had triumphed over the passive form because of the American drive to simplify the language. In other words, people insisted on dropping the word was from was graduated from college. If you search Google Books, you can see the steady decline over time in phrases such as was graduated from and was graduated from college. I'm willing to bet that to most of you today, Johnny was graduated from high school sounds odd and maybe even wrong. We say, Johnny graduated from high school. And Mencken was on to something. The drive to simplify still exists, and now people often drop the from and say, Johnny graduated high school. Again, if you search Google Books for phrases such as graduated high school and graduated college, you'll see a big increase in the last couple of decades, which means sentences like Johnny graduated high school are showing up more and more in edited writing and are starting to become acceptable. Now, I know many of you are cringing, but remember that 80-plus years ago, a lot of people cringed when others dropped the was and just said what we consider normal—graduated from high school. They thought that sounded terrible, and careful writers should stick with Johnny was graduated from high school. One thing I love about Brian Garner's book, Garner's Modern English Usage, is that it addresses language change with a language change index that assigns a number to how acceptable a new usage is. Something at stage 5, such as the phrase graduated from high school, is completely acceptable, whereas something at stage 1 is rejected. It's out and out wrong. Garner places graduated high school at stage 3, right in the middle You'll hear it a lot, even among professional writers and educated people, but he says careful writers won't use it. The funny thing Garner does is compare the stages on his language change index to other scales. For example, in golf, stage 3 would be the equivalent of hitting a double bogey. In olfaction, stage 3 would be smelly—not foul, but not neutral If you're trying to place how annoying the phrase graduated college is, Gardner would recommend imagining someone talking too loud in a restaurant or on the bus. Ten years ago, I found dropping the word from annoying. Today, I still say graduated from college myself, and I notice it when I hear someone say graduated college, but I'm so used to it that it doesn't remotely bother me the way it did back then. When I last wrote about this back in 2011, the AP Stylebook, Garner's Modern English Usage, and the Chicago Manual of Style said not to omit the word from. And a little bit to my surprise, they all still do. I'll be surprised if they continue to make that recommendation in ten more years. Honestly, I can barely bring myself to advise against it, but if you are a professional writer, given that all the major style guides still recommend avoiding the graduated college phrasing, the one without the from— It's still a good idea to stick with graduated from college. English is a funny language. Its roots are Germanic, and the most commonly used words today show this. For example, I, the, and, a, to, is, you, and that are all Germanic in origin. Across the centuries, however, English borrowed a huge number of words from other languages, and one of the most common sources was Latin. From the Normans' invasion of the British Isles in 1066 to translators infusing English texts with Latin, French, and Italian words in the 16th century, our tongue has become packed with these Latin-based add-ons. In fact, it's believed that some 60% of words we use today have Latin roots. In some cases, entire phrases in Latin have become part of our vocabulary, and because we've been having beautiful spring days in most places in the Northern Hemisphere, today we're going to talk about Latin phrases you can use to describe something wonderful. The first is sui generis, and as an aside, I've always pronounced this sui generis, and that's listed as a second pronunciation in two American dictionaries I checked. So this phrase means, of its own kind, and we use it to describe something that's in a class of its own. You could say that Serena Williams is sui generis in the tennis world, or speak of Bob Dylan's sui generis songwriting. In either case, we're describing something that is one of a kind. Another complementary term is ne plus ultra, translated as no more beyond. Something that is ne plus ultra represents the highest point of achievement or the most profound example of something. For example, The Godfather could be considered the ne plus ultra of gangster movies. This term has an interesting history. It was said to be inscribed on the pillars of Hercules at the Strait of Gibraltar— The strait is a channel of water that lies between southernmost Spain and northwesternmost Africa, and connects the Mediterranean Sea with the Atlantic Ocean. These pillars, represented by the Rock of Gibraltar on one side of the strait and a mountain peak on the other, were supposedly set in place by Hercules. Some say he did this as a memorial to his majestic deeds. Others say he did it when he destroyed the mountain that once connected Africa and Europe. In any case, the strait was considered to be the western end of the classical world. The inscription Ne plus Ultra on the Pillars of Hercules thus served as a warning to sailors. Let there not be more sailing beyond this point. Another way to say something's good is to say it's bona fide, literally in good faith. A used car salesman might make a bona fide offer to buy your car at full blue book price. If his offer is bona fide, it means it's legit. He's 100% serious and ready to give you some cash. Bonafide can also convey that something's genuine. George Clooney is a bona fide celebrity, for example. There's no doubt he's the real deal. As a side note, the opposite of bona fide is malafide, meaning in bad faith. We don't see this term used too much, but I think I might try it. It could come in handy. And since it's spelled so similarly to bona fide, I don't know why it's pronounced differently. But that's how the dictionaries say to pronounce them in American English: bona fide and malafide. They seem to be more similar in British English. The Oxford English Dictionary says the British pronunciations are bona fide and malafide. Next, here's a little gem for you. Next time you want to say something is absolutely essential, say that it's sine qua non, translated as without which not. A synonym for sine qua non is requirement. You could say that stamina is a sine qua non for marathon runners. Let's end with the phrase felix culpa, which means happy fault, It's similar to the phrase happy accident. Both refer to a mistake or even a disaster that winds up having surprisingly good consequences. For example, if you met your life partner after running into their car, you could say that the accident was a felix culpa. Or if you were fired from a job but subsequently found a much better one, your termination would be a felix culpa. This was originally a religious term. It referred to the original mistake in Christian theology—the fall of man—which occurred when Adam bit that apple in the Garden of Eden. The redemption of man—which is said to have occurred when Jesus Christ died and was reborn—is seen as the long-term positive outcome of that original disaster, a felix culpa. You could even say that the fall was a sine qua non for the redemption. That segment was written by Samantha Enslin, who runs Dragonfly Editorial. You can find her at dragonflyeditorial.com or on Twitter as Dragonfly Edit. Finally, I have a Familect story. Hi,
0: Grammar Girl. I'm a new listener and love your podcast. I was just calling with a Familect story that has emerged um, during the, this pandemic. My three year old, anytime we go somewhere, we're now, of course, Hand sanitizing afterwards, and my three-year-old call instead of calling it hand sanitizer, he asks for handsitizer. So now, whenever we get in the car, the first thing we do is say, "Where's the handsitizer?" Thanks, grammar girl.
1: Thank you. Handsitizer is a great word. It's a blend or portmanteau, like Benefer for Ben and Jennifer. If you want to call in with your family word story, your fam elect, you can leave a voicemail at eight three three two one four GIRL, and I might play it on the show. And be sure to tell me the story, because that's always the best part. I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl. You can find articles that go with each podcast segment at my website, QuickAndDirtyTips.com. And you can find me on Twitter and Facebook as Grammar Girl, and on TikTok as The Real Grammar Girl. I've been posting two or three times a week, and it's been a lot of fun. Thanks to my producer, Nathan Sems, And that's all. Thanks for listening.
0: Justin and So Good.